it is probably good for you to know that there have been points over this last few weeks when I have been thinking, what have I done uh, in uh, choosing a series on disappointment at a time like this? Because here we are in the midst of this sort of miserable lockdown period. Uh, and uh, think what we could have done. We could have had a little series on, on three talks on love and joy and peace. Now, that would have been good. Um, and, and then uh, I noticed that we'd chosen for this uh, last talk in the series uh, the end of disappointment. Um, how grandiose is that? Um, as if I'm about to deliver to you the, the secret of sorting out all our disappointments forever. Actually, I, I think I just meant it's the end of the series. Uh, and uh, maybe you're thinking, thank goodness for that. But in another sense, uh, disappointment is everywhere. Uh, maybe it is right for us to be talking about it just now. So many things that we thought were going to happen, and they haven't. Uh, we thought about that earlier. Uh, gap years that got cancelled, summer holidays that were abandoned, uh, weddings that have been postponed. Um, and now... I guess all of us have been thinking this week, Christmas doesn't look as though it's going to be uh, anything like uh, what we expected it to be. And we've been thinking that's what disappointment is. We, we have some sense of what we expect, what we anticipate, what, what we hope will be, and then the reality falls short and leaves us disappointed. Sometimes that disappointment is in relation to timing, isn't it? Uh, a grown-up child, maybe, thinking... Uh, I, I was sure, I thought I, I'd have left home by now. Or some parents thinking, gosh, I, I, I really thought they'd have left home by now. Uh, I'd have a uh, uh, someone else thinking, I, I thought I'd have a job by now. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought we'd have children by now. The timing's not as we anticipated. Or sometimes it's the quality of a thing. I thought, I didn't think my job would be so boring or marriage so lonely or the Christian life so hard. Or sometimes our disappointment is in ourselves, about us and, and what we're not. I thought I'd be tidier, happier, thinner, stronger, braver. Uh, and there are some disappointments that pass quickly because they're not of huge importance. But there are other disappointments that are so deep and profound, that they leave us with shattered dreams, our hopes dashed. So much so that they can cast a shadow over a person's entire life, so that nothing's right, nothing feels good anymore. It's as though our entire world is viewed through the lens of that disappointment. Everything's stained by the grey tinge that it leaves. Well, the church in Corinth knew something of these experiences. Uh, uh, not least because in Corinth, all sorts of expectations had built up that were seriously exaggerated. Strange ideas had developed within the church there in Corinth that the blessings of heaven could somehow be sort of pulled back, tugged back and, and fully experienced in the here and now. Well, it was mistaken teaching, mistaken understanding of the Christian faith. And you can see that it was bound to lead to all kinds of disappointment. The, the chapter that we're dropping into this morning, chapter 7, um, is a chapter where Paul addresses that issue in relation to the experience of marriage. 
Because amongst other things, people were thinking that maybe if my, if my marriage is difficult, if I, if I think it's hampering my Christian life, then the thing to do is to get out of it. And Paul tackles those kind of issues head on um, in the first part of this chapter. But we're joining it uh, in verse 17, where he kind of seems to expand his thinking and applies it more broadly. Um, and that's the bit that we're going to read uh, from verse 17 of chapter 7. Uh, and Michael's going to read that section for us. So we're reading from 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who is a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Thanks very much, Michael. Um, three reflections uh, briefly on these verses for us uh, this morning. Uh, the first is, let go of if only. Uh, we thought right back at the beginning of the series that a close cousin of disappointment is the experience of regret. I, I suggested it was a bit like living life uh, gazing in the rearview mirror, always looking back to, to, to some decision in the past that we regret. Um, if only I'd chosen that school, if only I'd gone to that university, if only I'd picked that job, uh, then uh, things would be better. But the gaze um, isn't only backwards, because as well as that backwards gaze, actually the gaze can then become, if you like, sideways, as though we, we live our lives craning our, our necks to try and see over the hedge convinced that just over there is, is the path that we, we ought to be on, we wish we were on. In other words, we do if only. If only I had that job instead of this one. That home instead of this one. If only I was married. If only I was single. If only we had children. If only we could have those child-free days back again. If only my parents cared more. If only my parents would stop interfering so much. Well, then I'd really be able to get on with the Christian life. Then things would really fly. And my Christian life would take off. I'd, I'd be able to do what God wants me to do with my life. If only I was over there on that path instead of this one. But I'm not. 
and so I'm stuck. Well, see what Paul has to say about these if-onlys. It's there, first of all, in verse 17. Nevertheless, he writes, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. It says much the same thing again in verse 20. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. And in case we haven't got it, he presses it for a third time at the end of our section in verse 24. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. You, you can't help thinking that Paul is determined to push this point home. Uh, and in this little section that we're looking at, um, he provides two examples to make his point. The first relates to circumcision, which was the sign of being Jewish in Corinth. And it's as well he imagines that, that there might be one person who is saying, if only I weren't Jewish. I'm sure that's what's holding me back. All this cultural baggage. If only I were free of it all, like those Gentile believers. But then he also imagines that, that maybe there's some who are thinking exactly the opposite. If only I were Jewish. If only I, I had the benefit of all that heritage to help me make sense of the Christian faith even better. But Paul, as it were, says to both groups, don't go there. Neither view is correct. Instead, you are to stay as you are. See it in verse 18. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Why not? Well, because, verse 19, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. And you can do that whatever circumstances you are in. In the first of the um, biblical counselling courses that uh, I get to teach as part of the, the BCUK certificate course, um, David Powlison, who teaches the course, um, uses an illustration with a, with a glass of water like this. Um, and he says, suppose I've got this glass of water and suppose I, I, I bash it. Um, and suppose then I, I ask the question, well, why is there water on the floor here? And you think, well, that's obvious. It's, you know, there's water on the floor because you bashed the glass and the water spilled out. It's blindingly obvious. But of course, there's another way of answering that question. Another way of answering the question, why is there water on the floor, is because there was water in the glass. See, if I ask you, look, look, what's up with you? You seem so moody and grumpy and irritable. Well, you might say, oh, it's my boss. They're so unreasonable. Or, or it's my family, my husband, my wife, my, my children, my parents. They're really winding me up today. 
And when you say that, well, you're just noticing the externals. You're noticing the bash on the side of the glass. My circumstances. That's what's causing the overflow of my irritability and moodiness and grumpiness. But in another sense, all the circumstances are doing, all the bash is doing, is just revealing what's inside. Because there are all sorts of ways of responding to our circumstances. But out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus told us. The circumstances just reveal what's inside. Uh, our irritability or lack of irritability in our particular circumstances, they reveal something about us. Well, that's the line of thinking that Paul is taking here. Do you see? Stop focusing on the situation that you're in. Because circumcision and, and uncircumcision, that's nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. And you can do that in whatever situation you are in. So, so don't go thinking that I can only be a proper Christian if I, if I, if I get over there, if, if I'm living my life on that path instead of this one. Don't live life as if you're in some sort of a holding bay. Uh, don't live life with the pause button pressed, waiting for some other circumstance to come along. Instead, uh, and this brings us to our second point, take hold of this is, if I can put it like that. Paul does something really bold uh, in the second half uh, of our passage by daring to apply this line of thinking even to the condition of slavery. You see it there in verse 21. Were you a slave when you were called? Well, don't let it trouble you. Seems like a remarkable thing to say. That, that even if you were a slave owned by somebody else when you were called, even that need not stop you living your life for God. It's very bold. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstances, whatever you do or don't have in life, you can and you should take hold of it and live it for God. And, and the reason that Paul can make such a, such a bold statement is because he is convinced that what Christ has done for us and what we therefore become in Christ so totally eclipses anything else about who we are and the situation that we're in. Look at verse 22. The one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. In other words, the categories by which we define ourselves, well, they're the world's categories so often. Slave or free, rich or poor, young or old, male or female, married or unmarried. But in Christ you have a, a much more powerful, a much more important, a much more fundamental category by which to define yourself. 
Because being a Christian means that Christ died for you, that you became a child of God, beloved in Christ, redeemed from sin, destined for glory. You were made alive in Christ, part of the very body of Christ, and being purified to be Christ's bride. Those categories eclipse all others. You were bought at a price, Paul says in verse 23. Do not become slaves of human beings. In other words, don't let what others do or don't do define you. Don't say, I can never be fulfilled unless Matt befriends me or Martha marries me or Mary promotes me. It's just not true. Because in Christ, you have been given something that so far, far, far eclipses any such things in the here and now. So Paul's saying, don't believe the lie that you'll only ever be able to, to live the life that God intends if you, if you have this or become that. No, it's not necessary to change things. But if you don't have to change things, on the other hand, you, you don't have to keep things the same either. You see that in verse 21. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain, gain your freedom, do so. And if you can change things, if the chance to be freed from slavery comes along, well, by all means, uh, take it. Paul's point is that there isn't one particular situation that you have to have. Any situation will do, because in any situation, it is possible to live for Christ. Do you see how, how enormously liberating that is? So, first of all, we've seen, let go of a, if only. Let go of that sense of, of for forever, yearning, longing, waiting to, to get onto some other path that we think we have to have. Second, take hold of this is, this life that God has given me in this moment is the one that he has appointed and it is possible for me to live for him in it. And then third, have faith, therefore, in God's plans. It, it could well be that you're well ahead of me already, um, and uh, you are already beginning to think that, that there, is a, there is a pretty sinister kind of undercurrent to all of this disappointment business. Because when we do this, this sort of if-only thinking, um, what we're actually implying is that God has got it wrong. Uh, to put it another way, what we're really implying is that, is that I have a clearer sense of the way that my life ought to be than God does. And, and that he's failed to deliver. Listen, God, I'd be a much more faithful Christian believer. I'd be a much godlier person. I'd be much more effective for you 
if only you'd give me that life rather than this one. I think you've made a mistake, God. I think you've put me in the wrong place, in the wrong job, in the wrong marriage, in the wrong place, in the wrong town. I think you've made a mistake, God, because, because I can see that I'd be much more effective as a disciple of Christ over there. Yet if we believe in the God of the Bible, then the God that we believe in is a sovereign God. That is to say that we believe in a God who is in charge and in charge of all things. A God who directs the big picture and the detail of our lives. And as uncomfortable as it may seem, that means that sometimes we have to be ready to receive trouble from his hand. I want to tell you about um, an email that I received years ago, but that has remained in my mind ever since. Uh, it came from um, a, a friend, somebody I didn't actually know that well at the time, but I've got to know better since. Uh, somebody who, who emailed asking for prayer. Uh, and the story behind the email is this. Uh, shortly after the birth of uh, a second child, uh, his wife noticed a lump. Uh, and it proved to be an enormously aggressive cancer. And 18 months later, with both of their children under the age of five, uh, she died of that cancer. Uh, he gave up his job uh, to care for his two young children. Uh, years passed, and uh, a new relationship began, and God led him toward a new marriage. But just days, uh, literally, uh, before his second wedding, uh, his wife was diagnosed with a very rare and very slow-growing cancer. And the doctors explained to them that this type of cancer had no effective treatment. And though it might take years, uh, she would eventually die from this cancer. Uh, they went ahead uh, with the wedding a uh, few days after getting that news. But they sent this email asking for prayer. And as I say, it was so striking that I've remembered it ever since. Uh, here's what it said. We ask for prayer for miraculous healing. We ask without hesitation for this, but do so in submission to the sovereign plans of our Father in heaven, who has never made a mistake has no idea what it is to be confused or to be at a loss as to what to do and who has never, never, never failed to be unendingly good. And when I read that email, I thought this is what it looks like 
to have faith in the plans of a sovereign God. As we come to the end of this series, then can I say that if you're a Christian believer this morning, then in the face of whatever disappointment you may be feeling, be persuaded of this. You are able to live for God's glory. You're not snared by your circumstances, trapped by and held back by things that you, you do have or you don't have. Because you have been set free in Christ, have faith that he can and he will make it possible for you, for you to love him and serve him and honour him, whatever the circumstances that you face. Oh, wonderfully, the day is coming when disappointments will end forever. God has a new heavens and a new earth where disappointment will not be part of our experience anymore. But until then, though disappointments will continue, be convinced that because of Christ, because of all that he has done, those disappointments need never have the final word in your life. Let me lead us uh, in a prayer as we close. Now from Peter's first letter we read, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Uh, Father God, we, uh, we ask that you would help us. Uh, whatever uh, situation uh, we find ourselves in, whatever, whatever struggle, and yes, whatever disappointment uh, we may experience, uh, to humble ourselves, uh, to, uh, to be willing, uh, if necessary, uh, to be those who receive trouble uh, from your hand. Uh, convinced that you will also strengthen us uh, to live to your praise, to honour you uh, with faithful discipleship. Uh, please strengthen our faith in you uh, and would our knowledge, our, our awareness of all that you have done for us in Christ uh, set us free uh, to live to your praise and glory. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.